you, Mike, and thank you, Sunil, for your prayer, and Therese and Kathy for your music today. What a blessing it is to be together in God's house, worshiping. You know, family, when my family was going through that process, it's hard to believe it was a year ago now, almost. It still feels in so many ways like we're just getting started together. So this is still very fresh in my mind. But I can remember uh, when we were going through that prayerful process of deciding if God wanted us to accept the call here at Calamesa Church. And in that process, we were, of course, checking you guys out. Um, I'm sure you guys were doing the same thing to us. And so we would poke around and look at your old services and went to your website. And one of the first things I discovered about Calamesa Church that I fell in love with, that really stood out to me, is not just your mission statement, which I love. I love our mission statement, loving God and loving people. It's the way you go about accomplishing that mission. And on the website, if you do a little bit more digging, you find this illustration for how we go about doing this at Calamesa Church of the pitcher the cup, and it may be hard for many of you to see, the saucer and the plate. And so you explain further on your website, and I know that John used to use this illustration, and after I preached for first service, my dad was watching, he said, Clarence even used this back in the day. So this has been something that has been a part of your DNA here at Calamace Church for a long time, which is so cool. So hopefully I get it right, you all know this better than me, but the idea is, is that Jesus is the pitcher. And as we allow his life to flow into ours, his love and his grace to fill us up, then we then overflow his love into those around us represented by the saucer. And I have to be careful because I, I spilled a little bit on first service. But that's the point, right? And as it spills out from those uh, around us, then it also spills out to the other activities, the ministries we do here at the church. Very organic process where our lives are just a result of Jesus' life flowing through us. And I love that. And I remember seeing that on your website and thinking, I would love to be a part of this church. And then I came here. And I got to tell you, family, this is not just some cool illustration on your website. This is not just some nice little slogan that you have. I have watched you live this out. It has been so inspiring over this past year to see the way that you allow the life and love of Jesus to flow through you and spill out to others and to other areas of your life. And of course, you didn't get this model and this perfect illustration for it of the cup and the saucer and the pitcher and the plate from thin air. This is the model that Jesus gives us in his word. He uses a little bit different metaphor, but the model is the same. We find that, of course, in John chapter 15. Here's the metaphor Jesus uses to describe that process. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That is what we are all about here at Calamesa Church. That's how we go about loving God, loving people. And so I thought, family, as we are continuing this process of coming back and doing more in-person stuff, we're kind of restarting some things. Even though ministry hasn't stopped over this past year, we're, we're, stored, we're sort of, you know, gearing up again, right, in some of the ways that we're used to. I felt impressed that we need to spend some time coming back to this, revisiting what our life and ministry is all about here. What is core for us? And all of that starts, right, with staying connected to the vine, with allowing the pitcher to fill us up. That's the first and most important step in the process. So how do we maintain that connection to the vine? How do we make sure that we are in a position to where Jesus is pouring his life into ours? How do we vitally and vibrantly and effectively stay connected to Jesus? That's the question. And I think in John chapter 15, it gives us many examples of how we do that, but I just want to draw your attention to three ways that I see from the text that help us to stay fruitfully connected to Jesus. And the first is by recognizing. The first way we stay connected is by recognizing. Notice how Jesus starts, verse 5, by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He doesn't start off with the thing of remain in me, abide in me. He says, first, I am the vine, you are the branches. He tells us first to recognize who he is, and who we are. He's the vine, we are not. He is the one that creates the fruit, we just bear it. In fact, in the beginning of chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. This would have been kind of a, a radical thing for the disciples to hear because, you know, the, the vine, vineyards, were an old and sacred image in Judaism. The vine represented Israel, remember? It, re it represented God's covenant people. The vine was such an important symbol for Israel that according to ancient Jewish tradition, above the curtain to the entrance of the holy place, west of the altar, just beneath the roof, it is believed that they had a gigantic grapevine of pure gold there, representing God's chosen people. So Jesus now employs this familiar metaphor and symbol to say that being God's people doesn't mean you're part of this specific group. No, being God's people means you are connected to the true vine. I am that true vine. It's about being attached to me. This was an important thing for the Israelites to realize because, you know, in their mind often, hey, if we're part of God's chosen people, if we're, we're part of the right group, then we're good, we're fruitful. Of course, Seventh-day Adventist Christians would never struggle with that kind of mindset, would we? Fruitfulness doesn't happen because of our education, our occupation, our innovation, or our denomination. It happens because we are connected to Jesus. One of the popular ads in the Super Bowl back in 2011, I don't know if you remember that far back, I, I love... Uh, watching the Super Bowl. I love sports, but often just for the commercials. 
And uh, we always, our family always rates the commercials every year. Carl sh shared a really cool one uh, that happened a few years back at our retreat last Sabbath about when that person got hangry and they just needed a Snickers bar. Well, one that I remembered from 2011 was a Volkswagen commercial that pictures a child dressed as Darth Vader. I don't know if you guys remember that. And he had this big helmet, and it was kind of disproportionate for his size. He was like this little fourth grader. And he's walking around in his house, and the theme music, dun, 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 is playing in the background. And this little guy, he's going around, and he's trying to use the force to move things or manipulate things. And he starts first going into the hallway, uh, the utility room there in, in their house where the dryer is. And he puts his hands out and tries to start the dryer. And of course, nothing happens. He puts his hands down and he goes and he walks over to the dog who's there uh, in his bed. And he you know, puts his hands there in the dog and the dog just kind of looks quizzically back at him, doesn't do anything. And then he goes to his room and there's this action figure on his bed. And he's you know, trying to make the action figure move and nothing happens. And well, he's getting really defeated at this point. He slouches and walks over into the kitchen, and he's got his big Darth Vader helmet, you know, in his hands, going like this. I just, I can't do it. And then he hears his dad's car pull in the driveway, and he walks outside. He doesn't even say hi to his dad, walks right past him, and he goes to the car, and he tries to give it one more chance. He puts his fingers out towards the car, shakes them a little bit, and then the lights on the car light up and the engine roars to a start. And then the camera cuts to the dad who's at the kitchen window and just pressed, you know, the, the button. That was the new feature they were advertising for, for Volkswagen. But what a good illustration for the dynamic that exists for what we want to do and the power that's really behind what God does through us. Just like that kid had no power to, to use the force unless his dad was behind it. It's the same way with our Heavenly Father, same way with Christ. And I know that this is a simple, straightforward message. We can produce nothing without Jesus. We've got to remain and recognize that that, that is the source of our power. But I've got to tell you, this is such a crucial step in the connection process and one that I have such a hard time remembering. I can remember all those firsts I did as a young pastor. This is what came to my mind as I thought about how I struggle with this. All those firsts that I had as a young pastor, the first few sermons I preached, which were not any good, the church was so gracious to listen to them, and, and the first uh, board meeting I chaired, and then the first business meeting I chaired, and the very first business meeting I had, we were deciding to change the carpet in the sanctuary. You would have thought the world was coming to an end. It was intense. It's my first one. And then I can remember the first time I did premarital counseling and first time someone called me up and said my loved one just passed away and I had to go visit with them the first time I did a funeral first time I had to deal with a real serious controversial issue with some members that were hurting that were angry with each other and you can bet for all those firsts I was on my knees so much praying with the Lord, asking for his help and his power, saying, Lord, the only way I'm going to get through this is through your power and grace. I am not adequate for this. I steeped myself in the word for hours looking for direction and encouragement and wisdom and, and strength. And then those firsts became seconds. 
And then those seconds became thirds, and then those thirds became fourths, and pretty soon I couldn't remember how many times I had done a funeral or, you know, done premarital counseling or visited somebody in the hospital. Pretty soon I'd done it hundreds of times. And I didn't pray as much when I had to do it. I didn't steep myself in God's word as much when I did it. I've done this hundreds of times. Lord, I know what to do. I know what works now. I got it. Do you remember some of your firsts? Maybe the first time you taught a class. Uh, there was a lot of medical people in here. Maybe the first time you saw a patient, first surgery you did, uh, first time maybe you let out in a ministry here at the church. Some of the kids here, maybe the first time you entered a new grade or you know, first time you got to play in a sport, first time that you got to be put in charge of a ministry, first devotion you gave, first talk you did, first time you shared your, your gift with the church family. You remember some of those firsts? And were you on your knees a lot before those firsts happened? Were you steeping yourself in the word, feeling like, Lord, I can't do this. It's only by your grace and power that this is going to happen. And now that you've done those things hundreds of times, do you still go to your knees? Do you still steep yourself in his word? Now, I know, I understand that our connection with God develops. It, it matures. It changes over time. You know, we definitely are going to connect with God differently at different phases in our life, right? I get that. And God does lead us, teach us to be more efficient. Absolutely. But what I'm getting at is that if we are not careful, we can forget that we are just the branch, and start to think like we are the vine. We can easily forget that somehow we're the fruit maker when we never are. We're just the fruit bearer. And when we lose that mindset, I think we stop trying to stay connected to the source. We don't see it as important as anymore. We stay connected to Jesus by recognizing he is the true vine. That's the first way. Here's the second. We stay connected through a process of pruning. Verse 2 of chapter 15. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus says our connection is maintained through this process of pruning. Doesn't that sound so delightful? Right, where he's cutting and trimming and pruning and pinching and shearing us back so that we can be fruitful. Now, there's many things we could talk about for what it means for God to prune us and, and, and just the process of that, but I just want to bring to your mind two important details, details that I think are very important to remember for the pruning process. Number one, this is an unhurried process. Did you know that vintners, winemakers, must adopt a very long-term approach to their work. They begin by planting shoots of vines, and at the end of the first growing season, they cut those back. After the second growing season, they cut them back again. Only after the third year do they see the first viable clusters of grapes. But serious vintners leave those clusters on the vine and wait another year till year four to bring it to harvest. 
For those growing grapes for winemaking, they'll bottle the, their harvest, but they won't taste the fruit of their labors until year seven or eight. And most vineyard owners won't reach a break-even point for their investment until year 15 or beyond. I want you to know I, I read about all this. I don't, I'm not like into wine or anything, but that's what I read. Yeah. Anyway, but that is the... That is the process. Do you ever get discouraged thinking and feeling like you're struggling to make progress in a certain area or a, a certain thing that God's working on you with? Maybe, maybe you feel like you're not where Christ wants you to be or maybe you're frustrated with God because you feel like he's not moving fast enough. Why are you taking so long, Lord? If you find yourself in that place right now, just remember, pruning is an unhurried process. God is still working, if you feel that way. He is still working. I just think he is being patient with you, patient with me, as he discards and clips back the things that are hindering us from being more fruitful. It is an unhurried process. But make no mistake, just because it's an unhurried process that takes a long time, there isn't anything more urgent. Pruning is unhurried, but it is also urgent. In fact, um, pruning is something that a vintner has to constantly do. They must regularly tend to the vine, make constant examinations and trimmings. It is when a vine is left unattended that it stops producing fruit. Pruning is unhurried, but it is urgent. Came across a quote this week from a commentator I thought was really good. said, the fruit of the Spirit must be cultivated. All that grows naturally is weeds. It is a constant and consistent process of cultivating, of pruning. God needs to keep regularly working on us. Boy, family, as I was reflecting on this pruning process, I was struck with how often I do work for God without ever thinking about what work he is doing on me. You ever find that? I do so much work for God without ever, maybe even allowing him, opening my heart for him to do work on me at the same time. What I mean by that is like, I, you know, I'm willing to serve. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, I, you know, it's really my job to make time to do that, but I'm happy to do that. But how often do I approach that service with the attitude and the prayer, Lord, use this experience to help me grow and learn. How can this work that I'm doing teach me greater depths of your grace and love? How can it make me more humble, more faithful, more obedient? Lord, use this moment to stretch me and, and bring me out of my comfort zone. Prepare me to do something even greater next time. What would our work look like if we allowed God to work on us while we did it? I bet it would be so fruitful because we would be connected to him in an unhurried and yet urgent way. That's the second way we stay connected, pruning. Here's the last I have for you. We stay connected by being intentional. 
I think there are very two important words found here in verse 5. In fact, they are repeated in verse 6 and 7. They may be next to remembering who the true vine is. The most important words in this passage, those two words are, if you. If you, Jesus says, remain in me. I think Jesus is pretty clearly putting a responsibility on his followers that they have to be intentional about connecting with him. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not some kind of legalistic theology. I'm not saying that we've got to somehow earn his attention or we've got to work our way up somehow to God's level in order to connect with him. In fact, we've got to read this verse, verse 16 of chapter 15. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Oh, it's all by his grace and power, absolutely. He chose us. He's pursued us. He relentlessly invites us, but he won't force us to abide with him. That is a choice we have to make. Jesus says, if you. Family, I wonder if we struggle staying connected to the true vine and being fruitful because being fruitful because sometimes we take that if off of ourselves and we put it somewhere else. You ever been guilty of that? If only I had more time. If work was less stressful, if the kids' schedule wasn't so crazy, if there weren't so many distractions, then, Lord, I would be more fruitful for you. But I think sometimes we even go beyond that. We put the if even back on God. God, if you would have just done this, if you would have intervened, if you would have provided more resources, if you would have given me more time, if you would have given me different people to work with, if you would have gotten rid of this obstacle, Lord, if you, if, you, if, if you did this, if you did that, then it would have worked. I would have been more fruitful. Ever taken the if off yourself, put it somewhere else. Put it on God. I have. Jesus says here, if you, if you choose to put your cup under the pitcher, I'm going to keep pouring. I've chosen you. I'm going to keep pouring, but, but you've got to put the pitcher, I mean, you've got to put the cup under the pitcher to catch the living water I am pouring out for you. If you remain connected to the vine, what are you intentionally doing, family, right now in your life to remain connected to Jesus? I can give you one example from, from my life that's really been a blessing. I, you know, Beamy and I always had personal devotions that we would do on our own. And in our whole married life, sometimes we would, we would do family devotions and we'd pray together at night. But we always did our own devotions. And, and since coming to Calamesa, actually, um, we decided, I don't know if it was just COVID, we got the inspiration or what, we should have been doing this all along, but we decided to carve out a specific time together to do devotions because we were having a hard time doing it on our own faithfully. And so this created a devotional accountability partner for me. That was, this is one way that's really helped me be very, very intentional. And so we carve out time 
in the morning. And if your family is anything like mine, mornings are insane. You know, you've got to get yourself ready for work. You and your spouse both, you've got to get your kids, you know, dressed in their uniform. They've got to eat breakfast. They've got to get their hair done, which is, you know, you got girls. There's, it's more elaborate, you know, to get all that done. And, and um, you know, then they've got to get the lunches packed, the homework together. It's crazy. And there are many mornings where I wake up late or I'm running behind and, and I just don't even think about the time I'm supposed to spend with God before going to work or dropping the kids off at school. But then my awesome accountability partner, Beamy, will say, hey, we haven't, we haven't done worship. I know, we only, you know we're running behind, but we've got to make time for it. And it's amazing how when you make time for God, he makes your time go further. You ever notice that? It just happens. And then I, I do it too. I think Beamy does it more to me than I do it to her. But, you know, there's times when she's running behind, she might forget about it. Hey, we haven't, we haven't done devotions yet today. We've got to make time to do it. I know, I know things are crazy. I know we're not ready yet, but we've got to do it. And you know what's cool? We've started to do this in the morning, and it often happens around breakfast time. And our girls have started to love it also. We're, we've been reading 1 Samuel together. And... There was one day this past week where Bibi and I forgot about it. Both of us forgot to mention it. And the girls at breakfast said, hey, we're on Samuel chapter 1 Samuel chapter 15 today. I want to know what happens next from Saul and Jonathan and what's going on. And, and they were holding us accountable. It was so cool. And it has grown into this very fruitful thing for our family, really meaningful thing for our family. And, and oftentimes, maybe you've had this experience, the exact thing, lesson that we glean together as we study scripture is exactly what we needed for when we went to work that day. And, and Beanie will come home and she'll be like, you never believe this. I had this issue and this issue and, and just the text we talked about today, the prayers that we said to, today just prepared me for what I faced. You know, God was working. It was so fruitful. It has been so fruitful for us. But none of that fruit would have happened if we weren't intentional about carving out that time, making it a priority. So I ask you again, family, what are you intentionally doing in your life right now to remain connected with Jesus? You know, Pastor Carl Hafner did something cool on Saturday night where he talked about what kind of things you do in your devotional life, and we shared that. And so uh, Pastor Ken is going to post that question on our Facebook page. So when you go home, after you have lunch, I want you to go on our Facebook page. If you've learned something about me over this past year, you probably, those of you who are active on Facebook, I'm terrible on Facebook. I hardly ever post anything. So this is like revolutionary that there is something that's going to be posted on Facebook. But I want to ask you to go on there and write what you do intentionally with God to make time for him. How are you purposeful with God? Encourage each other with what works for you, and maybe some of us can get some ideas and some inspiration to also uh, connect better, be more intentional with God. Can you do that this afternoon? Go on our Facebook page, our church's Facebook page. If you have never gone on it, it's a great time to go on there and like it, and then you can tell us how you intentionally connect with God. Family, I love, absolutely love, that I am part of a church where this is the way we go about loving God and loving people. And I just, for, for my appeal today, just simply wanted to remind you to keep 
putting your cup under the pitcher. Remain connected to the vine. We're going to pray together now. I'm going to ask Mike to come up and, and just do a little something different. Instead of me saying a prayer, I'd just like to, to sing one to you, if that's okay. I just want to ask if you could bow your heads, close your eyes, and this will be our, our prayer. Amen. 